everyone and welcome to Canaan Rinse, uh, issue 266. Uh, in this issue, we'll be covering Ninja Gaiden, uh, Ninja Gaiden Black, Ninja Gaiden Sigma, and Ninja Gaiden Plus. Um, but before we launch into our views on that particular game, uh, play along with volume 6 of Canaan Rinse. Upcoming issues include Mad Max, Flashback, Perfect Dark, Tetris, and Double Dragon. Head over to the Kane and Rince website, kaneandrince.com, for articles, features, and reviews, and links to our forum, Facebook, and YouTube channel. And if you enjoy what we do, please consider donating a little something-something to our Patreon. There's no content hidden behind paywalls. It's just there if you feel like giving something back. And also remember our other uh, podcast uh, about video game music, Sound of Play. Um, a smaller audience at the moment, but growing every day, um, and we're really proud of it. Please review, rate, and subscribe to both of our podcasts on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, whichever plat platform you use, uh, because it helps both podcasts out greatly. Joining me, Joshua Garrity, in issue 266 are Mikhail Croder. Hi. And Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. So, um, Ninja Gaiden. Um, we're talking about the game that came out originally in uh, 2004 on the original Xbox, but uh, that's not where the Ninja Gaiden series started. Um, Ninja Gaiden started out life in the arcades in 1988 as a side-scrolling beat-em-up in the vein of Double Dragon. Um, now, I wasn't alive uh, in 1988, <laughs> um, but um, uh, do either either of you have any experience with the original side-scrolling title? The arcade game much later, uh, but I do uh, remember borrowing uh, Shadow Warriors of a friend, and that was, of course, the uh, uh, the uh, EU or the European title of uh, of uh, Ninja Gaiden because uh, we. We couldn't speak uh, of ninjas around here, with the ninja-related ninja related crimes being rampant and all that. <laughs> so <laughs> it had to be called Shadow Warriors. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I suspect it made a much bigger impact uh, in the US because by the time it came out over here, um, it was kind of... It wasn't so new and fresh anymore to see cutscenes in between levels because some, mm. some games that uh, were released later elsewhere uh, actually came out here before that. Um, you mentioned the uh, the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System uh, title called Shadow uh, Warriors over here, but Ninja Gaiden over in Japan and uh, and in uh, America. Mm. Um, do you have any experience? Do either of you have? Uh, I know, Mikhail, you've already mentioned your experience, but Sean, have you mm. had any experience with this title? Um, yeah, I, I don't remember how far I ever got in at least the original Ninja Gaiden, but I do have very vivid memories of at least uh, the opening few levels and um, some of the enemy types and some of the uh, little magic spells you could, um, I don't know what they were called. I don't know if they were called Ninbo all the way back then, but um, but uh, similar, you know, uh, kind of fireballs flying around you and all that kind of stuff. And I do have, I do remember like jumping up and down the walls up and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, vague, but um, some specific memories of playing the first one for sure. Yeah. 
I'm I'm pretty sure I uh, got until the very end of the game uh, back then, uh, and I'm also pretty sure I never beat the final boss. But that was a common thing in uh, NES games for me: impossible final bosses. <laughs> so usually I would consider the game uh, beaten and cleared at up until that point. <laughs> oh, just another impossible boss, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, those original titles were um, beat-em-ups and then, you know, sort of platformer-style games. Um, but um, what Ninja Gaiden evolved into with uh, Team Ninja, who developed the 2004 uh, title, was something that... It's a genre of game that people have um, uh, confused titles for. It depends who you are. So some people would call it 3D Brawler. Some people call them Spectacle Brawlers. And uh, there's all sorts of titles for this genre. But just just for clarity, what we're talking about here is the genre that um, most people would attribute its genesis to Devil May Cry. Um, I don't know how true that is, and I don't want to you know put my flag on that particular uh that particular stance but i i most people would attribute the genre's creation to devil may cry and then that would spawn um several titles such as this title here bayonetta and many many others god of wars kind of tan tangential uh, kind of linked there as yeah. well kind of doing its own thing but yeah similarly um of this genre um so uh, kind of like as people who uh you know played the originals um how how did you guys feel about this kind of change in style in terms of the gameplay i'm not somebody that uh it's very traditional i don't want games and sequels to 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 be exactly the same all the time i was actually mm -hmm. very excited to, to see it and just how beautiful it looked and i was very 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 eager to play it uh, when i saw screenshots of it in magazines and some videos in uh real player online you know those days <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is around that period of time where i kind of wasn't really playing too many games i was still kind of plugged in with like a ps2 and silent hill and stuff like that but i wasn't really i basically i didn't know that the xbox was even a thing <laughs> and then once i found out that it was i was like oh it's got ninja gate well sorry this is going to be a thing ninja gaiden ninja gaiden mm -hmm. um it's ninja gaiden i know <laughs> i'm gonna say gaiden every once in a while um but uh, uh so i was like oh man it's got ninja gaiden so i got i picked up um i went to the store and got like a used xbox and ninja gaiden and shenmue 2 and even because just because the box looked cool, I had no idea what it was at the time, and kind of wish I did because I traded in instantly. But um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I was uh, it was basically the reason I bought an Xbox. Um, so I when I plugged it in, um, I found out how immediately intensely hard it was, and kind of never went back until uh, recently. So. <laughs> yeah. But I did. I agree with uh, Mikula. The way it looked was at least very pleasing. We're kind of already going into histories here. So mm. just to kind of expand on what you were just saying, mm. Sean. Um, so you, you picked it up close to release, but uh, for, for this run through, mm. uh, which version of the game did you go? Because yep. it's important to yep. uh, note that th this title had several releases. So you have the original 2004 release, um, and then uh, Ninja Gaiden Black came out in 2005, and then Sigma on the PS3 uh, in July 2007, and mm. then a version was released on the Vita in February 2012. 
So, which version did you end up playing for the uh, for the for the issue? Well, I, I picked up a cheaper copy of uh, Sigma, uh, the PS3 version, um, for to play on the show. And then when I was reminded of how hard it was, I was like, "Screw this! If it, if this game is this hard, I'm at least going to get some trophies out of it." So, <laughs> the, the PS3 version doesn't have any uh, trophies, so it was never patched in. So, I, I, I um, found that I had the uh, plus version on Vita at some point was free for PlayStation Plus owners. So, um, so yeah, I played through that version for the show and finished it like a few hours ago. <laughs> Mikhail. Yeah. Um, at the time when it came out, I had a GameCube uh, and I was uh, pretty much a, a one console per generation kind of guy at the time. And I usually ended up picking for uh, uh, picking a Nintendo system because of some of my favorite series being on those systems. Uh, and I remember that my wife wanted to get a, a mobile phone and a phone uh, subscription. And uh, because and I tried to push her into a certain kind of subscription because you would get an Xbox with Ninja Gaiden with it, uh, and I was really very eager to play that game. So it was uh, one of the one, yeah, it was just one of those games where I wished I you know I, I had that system as well. Um, eventually, I ended up playing it uh, the vanilla version, the, play, the the first version at a friend's house. Remember uh, getting through the the Ninja Fortress, the first stage, pretty uh, yeah, uh, pretty decently, till I fi- uh, faced the first boss who absolutely obliterated me, and I was uh, <laughs> very surprised with the, the the jump in difficulty and and just how how uh, merciless the game was already from the beginning. Um, so. But I always held this kind of fascination for it because I was just so in awe of how fluid and smooth and how just highly polished the game uh, looked and played and felt. And um, maybe it was, I think it was uh, somewhere in 2009 or, uh, yeah, to, yeah, I think 2009 where I was reminded that, uh, hey, uh, I have a 360 now. Uh, the game is actually backwards compatible, and it's an Xbox Xbox original, so I could actually buy it online and download it and actually play this uh, this thing that I've uh, you know it, it had uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't as fresh in my memory as it was before anymore, but some something maybe a conversation online reminded me of it. Um, so I had my you know uh, my credit card ready and everything, and I uh, I think I had to add Microsoft points to uh, to my account, and when I was ready to download it. I figured out I wasn't able to download it because I had moved to Germany, and in Germany the game is actually uh, banned. It's on the on the list of li- list of uh, wow. of media that's dangerous to youth because of decapitations and uh, and all this and all the sorts. So, <laughs> so I had my Microsoft points ready, and I I, I actually. Uh, was ready to purchase it and, and uh, no sorry this uh it, even though my uh, country settings weren't set to it it just tracked my ip and just told me that i couldn't download it so i ended up uh i ended up ordering the game online uh and had it uh shipped in the, the physical copy uh that's ninja Gaiden black to be uh to be uh, specific by the way um that's the copy i've uh played till now uh but i had an original run on it uh, that was cut short because my 360 uh, red ringed, and 
Itagaki actually uh, introduced a the director of the game actually introduced a feature to the game. If uh, if you try to um, re- you know replace your hardware or you, you can't use memory cards, it will automatically corrupt uh, corrupt your save file because of the online competitions thing and because your save file of Ninja Gaiden should be yours only and can't be copied. So my save I. I've, I think I was somewhere in in uh, Tyron in the fourth or fifth chapter, and uh, my save game uh, was uh, basically corrupted, and I never started the game uh, over again uh, up until recently. So Ninja Gaiden's been kind of a long run up for me. Um, uh, I first attempted to play um, Sigma on the PS3 back in two thousand eight, which. Um, Oh god, that's nearly nine years ago, guys. Um, that's really <laughs> scary. Yeah. Um, and um, I I got as far as uh, so I got past the kind of first boss and and I managed to get onto the airship and then down into the the city. Um, but I I just couldn't stand how uh, uninteresting the Rachel sections in Sigma ended up mm. being. Um, they're not they're not terrible but they're just like i want to be back playing as you know rai rai hayabusa and i'm stuck playing as her and i'm we'll get into this later but her character model is just atrocious <laughs> um and yeah i i kind of left it i kind of ended up trading it in and um and just forgot about it but then you know people kept talking about it oh if you like you know bayonetta and you like devil may cry you should really play ninja gaiden and then so i i I did some research right okay if i'm going to play ninja gaiden i want to play the absolute best version of ninja gaiden i don't want to tolerate the compromise what is considered a compromised version by the ninja gaiden community um so i looked up everyone said ninja gaiden black was the way to go every no matter where i went ninja gaiden black was the one that came up and ninja gaiden black happened to be part of um the Xbox 360's uh, Xbox Originals um, library um, available for purchase and download. So I ended up purchasing, downloading that, played it up until roughly the same point, and then stopped playing it again because I found it too difficult and uh, just a myriad of other reasons. I I say it's too difficult, but normally it's just that something else distracted me. And uh, I ended up playing that instead and never went back. And part of the reason why I, I, I actually chose this um, this game for, for uh, this volume um, was because I just I needed that motivation to finally complete it. And I knew it was going to be the kind of experience where I needed that impending deadline to push me through it because <laughs> otherwise I was in risk of just dropping it again. Um, so I ended up playing uh, playing it to completion. Um, uh, Ninja Gla- uh, Ninja Gaiden Black Edition on the 360. So yeah, that's our histories. Um, so before we launch into discussion about the game in detail, I am going to issue a spoiler warning, but a light one um, <laughs> because I don't think I, I mean I may be jumping the gun here, but I'm 
almost 100% certain the narrative is not going to be one of the things that we uh, recommend this game for. Um, I think you can listen to uh, this and uh, not fear the experience being uh, spoiled for you. It's very much something that you have to experience yourself. Um, It is a kinetic, tactile video game. It is not about the narrative, at least in my eyes. Um, But... Uh, since we're on that subject, I think you know the the, the story and the setting and the characters are the first thing the the game kind of hits you with. What are your impressions of the game's lead character, uh, this world, and and this setting? Uh, let's start with Mikhail. It's really interesting how the game starts uh, out. It almost feels like it's uh, a similar setting to Onimusha. It feels kind of feudal. You're in this uh, medieval ninja fortress, and afterwards you're fighting samurai in a burning village. Then all of a sudden, after that, you jump in a blimp and you get attacked by special forces, uh, modern special forces. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, so we weren't actually in, the, in medieval times. Uh, we're actually in a, a sort of a modern day setting. Yeah, it's the if you if you look at the the whole uh, story and setting globally, I think it's uh, this crazy. The story is basically a crazy excuse to throw uh, as many varied settings and enemy types in your face um, with it within a sort a certain cons- concise uh, or consi- con- uh, yeah, consistent area. So you got, yeah, you've got temples and uh, underground areas and ice caverns and fire caverns, and it's all uh, kind of set in the same location. Um, yeah, it, I mean, when you think about it, it's not so different from the uh, NES Ninja Gaiden games, where you know there's just a lot of cool, interesting settings and some cool cutscenes in between it's there is no there are no deep character studies or anything of the sort uh it's just yeah it's just you know cutscenes are used yeah. for just to to book and uh, playing sections and to show you something cool and uh yeah it's 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 an excuse for uh for um well i'm not yeah i'm not really expressing it very uh succinctly but uh, yeah, it's it's basically it's it ser- the the story and the setting really serve uh, or underscore the type of scenarios the games the game throws at you. Yeah, yeah, I think you can tell uh, how much they don't really care too much about it when <laughs> when you yeah. get into the blimp because it just gives you like a little word like a little couple sentences like uh, by the way uh, reuse on a blimp now. And then, yeah. and then now you're on a blimp. It's like, there's no, there's no like cutscene or anything to yeah. show you how he gets on the blimp, why he gets on the blimp. It's just that he's on a blimp now, so you're gonna fight in a blimp. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. And like, it, it, it's, for me, it was totally acceptable because, like, I didn't care either. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, yeah. I was just kind of going for it. Like, I was just, you know, enjoying what was what I was fighting and what I was looking at. So it was fine. Um, I think Ryu as a character, like as a character, is kind of. Nothing. Pretty much all the characters in this are really just bland, kind of just just there. Yeah. Uh, but I think visually he looks awesome. Like I, I don't yeah. know. Like he's got this weird like he's like this weird mix between like a ninja and like I don't know if this is weird, but like a BDSM kind of character. Like her, him and Rachel both like they both have this weird like kind of they're both like just sexy ninjas. And and <laughs> for me like I don't know that that's kind of cool. <laughs> I think he yeah. just looks awesome. And when he moves around, and he flips around. He looks great. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, that I th- yeah. 
I I think for me, like I I didn't, I I had no expectation of you know quality narrative from this <laughs> t- uh, from this game and uh, yeah. from this genre. To be frank, like mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. come to Bayonetta or Devil May Cry because. I'm engaged in you know, oh, Bayonetta's plight over the ages is just, <laughs> yeah. it, just it's you know gaming's breaking bad. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's not the reason why I go to those yeah. games. It's for the mechanics. But the thing that I think was really missing for me, and this is something that I think maybe not every entry in the series, but Devil May Cry Three certainly has. God Hand does. And both Bayonetta two, uh, Bayonetta one, and Bayonetta two have this. It's just a sense of self awareness and kind sure, of yeah. fun mm-hmm. comedy vibe going mm-hmm. through the entire uh, length. Like Dante in Devil May Cry three is just a goofosaurus rex like yeah. he sne- he sneezes and his entire building collapses and then asks the demons he's about to fight if they're going to cover the costs of his apa- you know yeah. his apartment that's just yeah. demolished and that's just like it add like dante's not a great character but it gives the it injects the game with some personality, personality. Yeah. exactly and yeah. and and same with Bayonetta. Like, Bay- you know, say what you will about Bayonetta, but she's not unmemorable. Like, she uh. is an intensely memorable character. Yeah, both Bayonetta and uh, Dante are incredibly iconic characters. Um, yeah. And I think uh, Ryu Hayabusa, as he's portrayed in Ninja Gaiden, uh, Black, Sigma, and the rest... Um, it's iconic in its in its own right, uh, but there, it's um, it's kind of a less of less is more approach in his case. Uh, like like Sean was saying, like just the way he moves and he looks is is really awesome. And I think he's missing that uh, that sense of humor because there is something, you know, uh, just everything in his uh, animation, the way he reacts to uh, things in cutscenes with uh, very minimal speech it's all uh, he, he's just one uh, one piece of embodiment of of pure grim determination and and, and vengeance and uh, there's just something really calm and deadly about him uh, and yeah and that, I- that speaks that's that yeah that speaks really through uh just the character design in general and especially his animations he's just pure efficiency yeah i I think if if ryu was the only one who's kind of a bit of a personality vacuum i'd be okay with that because so much is expressed through gameplay with ryu Mm -hmm. it's it's the fact that everyone else is also like all the villains are so self-serious in a way that (laughs) just like dude you're you're a ghost samurai like this (laughs) this is ridiculous what are you you doing and like and and the way the the reveal at the end um i mean we're kind of jumping ahead here but like i i feel like we should just get the story out of the way uh straight away but like the reveal at the end that the emperor um who's the final boss of the game is the guy you met at the beginning of the game. No, 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 no. You got it wrong, Josh. The emperor, what? the emperor was the like the, the hellish uh, deity kind of thing. 
And um, the, the guy you meet, meet at the end, that's the Dark Disciple, who has been scheming behind everyone's back uh, right. to, to, <laughs> to get the, the uh, Dark Dragon Blade. Um, oh, which okay. Is, so, 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 yeah, that's basically the guy you meet at the beginning, Murai, uh, mm-hmm. who's uh, basically, he was part of the Hayabusa clan, but got, uh, got kicked out of it for some reason. So he had his own little clan up in the mountains. I may be mistaken, but I swear that boss was called the hidden hidden emperor. No, um, he's the he's the, the dark uh, disciple. He is, yeah. Okay, but it's it's okay. completely uh, ridiculous because I think it might have been much easier for Amurai to just sneak up to the Hayabusa village and take the dragon uh, the dark dragon blade from there, rather than yeah. have orchestrate this whole thing this stuff, to have yeah. it shipped <laughs> off to a, to a, a, a vague foreign nation and uh, follow <laughs> fo- follow uh, Hayabusa's tracks uh, and and just. You know, backstab in the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just like a really convoluted plan yeah. that mm-hmm. is completely unnecessary. Yeah. And also, the, the, I mean, I, I can't tell whether the game cares about story or not at certain points because yeah. the way this reveal is uh, framed is like, oh, no, how could he, <laughs> how could he portray me? And yeah. I'm like... I haven't seen this guy since the beginning for, of the game <laughs> for like eighteen hours at yeah. this point. Yeah. I I I forgot about him entirely, mm. uh, um, and like I don't know this guy. Like beyond yeah. that, I don't know him. I have no yeah. emotional attachment to this guy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. G- gave me some trouble with some nunchucks at the beginning. Yeah. That's about <laughs> it. Um, but, but so again, this this is uh, another excuse to. Do something really cool, which is make the final boss the same as the first boss. Uh, mm. So it it kind of has a cool mechanical purpose yeah. rather than being yeah. a, a a super interesting story or anything like that. Yeah, I, I that that's the thing though. I can I can justify that decision from a mechanical game design point of view. Um, yeah. it's interesting to take a boss fight from earlier in the game, tweak it slightly. Because he he does have some you know a lot of kind of obviously he's got a different weapon et cetera et cetera and he's got a few more powerful moves but a lot of the way he behaves is similar so you have to react in yeah. a very similar way to yeah. him yeah um, and I I find that mechanically really interesting it's like here was this test at the beginning to see if you could you know access the rest of the game and now the final test is similar to that yeah. and that's mechanically that's really. Uh, there's something really thematically interesting about that, just not narratively interesting. <laughs> right. um, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the, the whole plot, I mean, it, it, it's I mean, it's basically there's an evil sword and there's a good sword <laughs> and everyone's after the evil sword and the good sword destroys it and yeah. that's the plot. And that's like, okay. everything in between is just, you know, battling demons and... Mm-hmm ninjas rachel and, and her sisters rachel and her sister and yeah i mean alma is probably the most interesting thing in a mm. plot that's not got anything interesting really going on yeah. um the dynamic between rachel and alma but again like i haven't like i don't know what alma means to rachel like we don't have any insight into what Alma was like before she was a fiend and and all of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I again, like, 
I want to say like the game doesn't care, but I it has such a self serious tone. Look, like when Bayonetta does stuff like this, I know that it doesn't care because the tone of the entire experience is so over the top and and funny and willing to poke fun at itself that it's mm. just like oh okay fine. Whereas here it's like there's this scene where. Um, Rachel's holding Alma in her arms after she's kind of reverted back to human after sacrificing herself, and it's like it's it is framed as like an emotional moment, but there's no weight because I don't know these don't two care. people. Right. Oh, that's yeah. because we don't we don't really spend any time with the uh, with the uh, supporting characters. Uh, they just no, pop, pop yeah. in and out of uh, yeah. of uh, out of uh, Hayabusa's path, and you know that's all you get to see from them. I do kind of wonder if if this game was made today, how how different it would be. Like, not even just from a mechanical point of view, but I think maybe the storytelling might have been at least a little bit tighter mm-hmm. today. Because like storytelling in games back then wasn't really like wasn't really the biggest focus. You know, mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're, this, this team was obviously super clearly focused on the gameplay, and the story took a backseat. And I wonder if it if, if it would at least be a little more balanced if they were to make it today, if they could find better storytellers. But mm. it's definitely yeah. the backseat, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it, it kind of works in uh, that it serves uh, the the mechanics and the the, ga- the game design, the, the story, just to throw a lot of cool stuff at you. Um, so in that sense, yeah. I, I didn't expect much uh, much from the story, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's functional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, let's move on to the aesthetics of the game. But before we uh, share our opinions, I want to share this uh, this post from our forum. So Joshi Hatsumitsu says, The one thing that first stood out to me was how the game looked. It was a game that made me glad that I picked up an Xbox instead of a PS2 at the time. The transition of the series from 2D side-scroller to full 3D was an astounding achievement, a transition that many games still struggle with, and it was so fast and bright and colourful. Still to this day, and probably for a long time to come, Ryu Hayabusa is the definitive version, the absolute iconic interpretation of what pop culture considers to be a ninja. The level of detail on Ryu's outfit, the different textures of cloth and, I assume, leather, the intricate silver headpiece, all those details blew me away at the time. And the speed and grace at which he moves could not be more spot on. There's no excess in his animation, just composed and ready to strike at will. Everything you imagined a ninja could and should do, Ryu did. And he did it better than anyone. He was still the same character from the 2D days, still recognisable as Ryu Hayabusa, just transitioned to 3D. I wanted to start with that because it's really, really positive about the art direction. And I'm going to kind of start off by saying that I agree with his opinion on um, Ryu as a character, but Mm -hmm. I think largely the art direction of this game, I had had quite negative feelings towards it. Um, I'll I'll pass it over to you guys in a minute, but um, like Rachel's, costume it's just it's just 
Like what I, I was talking about um uh, on the Gone Home show uh, about a uh, Gone Home issue about um 90s comic books and kind of the excesses of character designs and I feel like Rachel is kind of like a really good example of that in video games like she's just sexualized to the max and (laughs) everything is like huge like her breasts (laughs) are massive and like she's very tall too she's very tall yeah and and (laughs) the thing the like i i as as a critic i i really struggle with like the conflict i have with um bayonetta because So much of my criticism here could be applied to Bayonetta, but weirdly, I am more okay with Bayonetta. And I I, I can't entirely justify that. And I hold my hand up and say, look, there, there are, you know, there's slight hypocrisy going on here. Mm. But there's something about Bayonetta's personality that kind of justifies it in yeah. my eyes. Yeah. And Rachel is so deadly serious like yeah. so professional uh, you know mind on the job this is just not the outfit she would choose right. to wear yeah. if she had that personality yeah. she would wear something much more practical like some some sh- you know proper shorts and like <laughs> just a shirt or something yeah. i it's and i i realize that wouldn't actually match up with the game's ridiculous aesthetic but just it's distracting how ridiculous her outfit is mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the difference with like Bayonetta is that she, as you said, her personality is just as flamboyant as the clothes she wears or doesn't wear. Um, and in this case, it's, it's it's the opposite, really. It's it's Rachel. Rachel just doesn't really have any kind of personality. Like we or we don't really get to know anything about her other than she has sisters who are in trouble, <laughs> like or a sister who's in trouble. Um, for me, <sighs> I've been flip flopping on this issue for. A long time now. Um, I don't know. Like it's, I can appreciate when it's something like this. This character is so obviously meant to be sexual. Like her, mm. her her design. Like they're they're not even like kind of hiding it. Like it's just it's even to the point where like if she stands still after moving her boobs, just keep going. You know, it's that, <laughs> it's that team ninja. Uh, yeah. boob jiggle thing and there are um, two two particular cg cutscenes as well one where she where Ryu rescues her from this uh lovecraftian horror beast and she's all covered <laughs> covered in slime uh over all her exposed right, body parts yeah and yeah. uh yeah she's all she looks uh, very much lubed up so, so to speak yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and the other part part is of course where she's on top of the pyramid all yeah chained up in a very uh yeah, yeah. um humiliating position yeah yeah it's it's weird it's it's i don't think it unfortunately like for me it doesn't it didn't like hinder my experience playing the game really but it also didn't add anything to it like i wasn't aroused sorry ibitagaki yeah like it didn't do anything for me and and so like i kind of i kind of i kind of wish it wasn't there um but i don't know it didn't really i feel kind of i feel kind of similar um i mean if you it's not something that asks to be taken serious uh in the first first place uh and yeah it's it's just it's there yeah not not mm-hmm. nothing particularly arousing about it uh nothing particularly um i wouldn't say distasteful because it's kind of distasteful but nothing particularly yeah. repugnant about it either uh, for me yeah it's just it's yeah. weird and it's just yeah. 
yeah, it's just weird. And why is it here? She's just, it's a little bit extra. I think uh, she, she basically wears a, mm-hmm. uh, Wears a fetish outfit, uh, where right, she's supposed yeah, to be yeah. this very tall um, Amazonian warrior chick, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's uh, she she's, and, they went a little bit over the top with her. Yeah, Let, and also yeah. in the same vein with Bayonetta, like she does, like not in a in a very serious like mature way, but she will use her sexuality as like she, you know, she'll taunt people with like blowing kisses at them and stuff like that. So like it makes sense that her outfit, as ridiculous as it can be would yeah. be that way whereas here like she rachel is never a sexual character she's just she just yeah. looks that way <laughs> yeah yeah um but rachel's not really my only issue in terms sure. of aesthetic mm-hmm. um i thought fa- i found a lot of the the creature designs kind of they d- they didn't really do anything for me mm-hmm. um back on the the devil may cry free issue um I, uh, me, me and Leon both kind of criticized that game for being very kind of adolescent in its overall aesthetic. Mm. I wish I could kind of rewind time and, and re-record that issue and, and add the caveat, yes, it is really adolescent, but there's still a lot of craft and mm. um, uh, imagination in the creature designs, mm. even if they do cater towards that teenage boy um, uh, vibe whereas here it's doing the same thing but just not kind of it's not it's not hitting that like balance of (laughs) adolescent but also well crafted like the creatures Mm -hmm. just look a bit like a ghost samurai's all right I, i suppose um and but like the booby a demon monster that Alma ends up becoming, yeah, and um, you know, especially some of the the final bosses as well. Like, one of the final bosses is just a pile of skulls, yeah, <laughs> and one of them's kind of like a generic like bat demon, yeah. Um, it's just it. <laughs> there's not there's not like the memorable creatures that you get in. I keep I apologize. Um, I apologize, listeners, that I keep referencing other games in this genre, but um, that's going to happen a lot, unfortunately. But like, there's not the imagination of something like uh, God Hand or Bayonetta. Like the the boss designs in Bayonetta yeah, are ridiculous. incredible, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mean, just beautiful to behold. And some of these are just like when I saw the pile of skulls at yeah. the end of this game, it's like, yeah. what what is that? <laughs> um, and it, it's weird because like. You know, reading reviews for this game, like at the time, this was um, this was uh, really well regarded in terms of visuals. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I can understand that from like a technical perspective yeah. because sixty frames per second, the way it animates, the smoothness of everything, is is incredible yeah. for that point in time. I, and I understood, but. I feel like there are games that came out before this that have aged significantly better. I, mm. You know, Wind Waker's the, the 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 game that everyone brings up, but that's sure. you know, Wind Waker came out a couple of years before this, and that still looks amazing. Whereas mm. this, ugh, I don't know mm. if you guys feel similarly. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, they just don't feel very inspired, and I I don't know if that's just you know it was made in two thousand four, but like you said, I don't know. I I. It's it's a tough issue, but like I agree that like some of the enemies, like the regular enemies, like I don't, why are you all of a sudden fighting dinosaurs? Like 
There's you'll be fighting <laughs> yeah. like just a soldier, and then there's a, like bigger soldier, I guess, with bigger gun, and then mutant <laughs> soldiers at the end. Like it's just, uh, I don't know. It, it, none of it is very memorable. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, I think the design approach to something like uh, Bayonetta or Devil May Cry, as far as character and creature design goes, is very different. Way more of an outlandish approach. There's uh, cer- mm. certainly more of a blandness to the the creature and character design in uh, in Ninja Gaiden. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, again, everything just looks so smooth and fluid uh, that mm. I, I, it kind of. It's its own thing. I feel uh, it, it reminds me of uh, Sega arcade games. There, you could argue a lot of Naomi board arcade games, for example, have kind of a, a, a sterile or bland look to them. But they're so smooth and solid in appearance that that's kind of its kind of its own its strength. Um, yeah. And again, when you, uh, when we're talking about the enemies. You know, it might be a, a little di- or a kind of a, you know, a, di- a dinosaur or a demon that you're fighting, or it might be just a special forces soldier. But just uh, the amount of personality they display through the AI and uh, through the mm, moveset that mm. they uh, enlist brings them to life in their own way as well. If you if you want to keep comparison to uh, comparing to to Bayonetta, um, and we're going a little bit into combat into uh, into that, but um, for example, your regular angel in Bayonetta doesn't have as many moves and is f- by far not as reactive to uh, uh, to what you're doing as the uh, enemies in uh, Ninja Gaiden are, are displaying. Yeah. Um- what you're uh, touching uh, on there i think is is animation and i think that's kind of the one um aesthetic value that i think ninja gaiden does do well at mm. is all the enemies convey their you know unique qualities through the way they move and the, the way they interact with you like it, you know fighting ninjas in this game is fantastic because the way they move it, it just they they convey a deadliness and a speed that you know the regular soldiers don't yeah. convey. The fiends have their own like weight and movement. Um, so any kind of you know criticisms that I have towards the kind of general art direction and and some of the sound design as well, kind of being devoid of a unique personality and everything feeling kind of rather you know rather generic. Um, it kind of it doesn't it doesn't go all the way to you know making up for it, but there are there is a, a lot of hard work that's been gone into the animation side to kind of giving all of these enemies some unique traits. Yeah, and and in its weird kind of own way, there is a very much a, a consistency uh, at work here, even though. You're fighting all these weird, different uh, kinds of enemies, and the locations uh, seem to, you know, there's sometimes there's almost no rhyme or reason to it, and yet still there's a, a visual consistency to everything. So um, the combat, which uh, nice uh, neatly ties in with our discussion of animation, there, um, I'm going to use this post as uh, a launching off point. Um, K sub zero one thousand says. I'm of the opinion that DMC3, Bayonetta, and Bayonetta 2 are all natural evolutions of the initial concept first introduced with the original Devil May Cry. They follow the same basic design philosophy, 
which is that of offense-based spectacular action with limited defensive capabilities and a clear focus on cool flashy combos. The Hideki Kamiya brand, so to speak. Ninja Gaiden Black is a different beast entirely. It didn't create a new genre, it was released late in the life cycle of a console with a comparatively small user base. It received a disappointing port on PS3, which changed a lot of things for the worse. Its direct sequel is a broken mess of wasted potential, and the third entry is a complete abomination, which probably killed the franchise off for good. So it really should not come as a surprise that this game is hardly on anyone's mind nowadays when compared to DMC or God of War or Bayonetta. But what I love about it is that it follows its own design philosophy. The game is not based around combos at all. You're not supposed to feel cool or omnipotent while playing it. No, the main theme in Ninja Gaiden is efficiency. The game is fairly difficult, has minor control quirks, and takes a while to get used to. The enemies are smart, relentless, and hardly leave you any room to breathe. Every encounter can be your last if you don't pay close attention, which puts you on the defensive and trains you to recognize and exploit every window of opportunity that presents itself. You instinctively learn the mechanics and the ins and outs of every weapon, not by looking at the combo list, but by actually using them. The boss fights have no QTEs and are not particularly spectacular, but they provide an incredible feeling of satisfaction upon beating them. And once it finally clicks and you start getting into the meta game of trying to survive while being as fast, fluid and deadly as possible, that's when the game transforms into a work of art. In many ways, I consider it to be more of a precursor of sorts to Dark Souls rather than a DMC wannabe. Now, I wanted to start with that post because I, I think it's important to emphasize uh, in regards to uh, Ninja Gaiden's combat how, how even though it is very much in the same genre as something like Devil May Cry and you know Bayonetta and God Hand and all of that, how different you, it, it feels playing it and how you have to adopt a very different style. Um, it, it's much more defensive, mm -hmm. um, at least I found, than uh, than Devil May Cry or Bayonetta. A lot of time is spent dodging and blocking and countering, rather than um, going in for you know the first first the first strike. Um, hardly, I'm you know in most encounters, I'm almost never the you know actor on the stage making the first move. Mm -hmm. I always allow the enemy to make the first move and react to them and constantly you know there's that constant need to move around yeah. constantly hold down block all the time yeah. how how did you guys feel like uh, this was quite an adjustment for me but uh, <laughs> how, how did you guys adjust to this yeah by the time i started uh, my original playthrough uh which was botched by a faulty uh 360 um it's not that i had a whole lot of experience with uh with other uh games in the the modern beat em up genre uh so it yeah it wasn't really a huge uh adjustment uh, in, in that sense um so what case of zero describes is that you instinctively learn the mechanics um and it's because the enemies are teaching you uh, you this. 
Um, I think maybe more so than uh, Devil May Cry, which uh, came before it. Um, Ninja Gaiden was one of the first 3D action games that uh, went a little bit further in incorporating uh, 3D fighting ga- fighting game mechanics into its uh, combat system and uh, approached something, yeah, almost uh, that almost reach can reach that that type of depth. Um, and that's of course because uh, Team Ninja and Itagaki already had uh, experience with the uh, Dead or Alive series of uh, versus fighters. Mm. Um, so you have. Uh, enemies that uh, react to what you're doing you have various uh movement and stun states like enemies that stagger under certain moves uh enemies that uh crumple and you you can get a score a hard knockdown on them it's uh it it, it goes pretty deep uh, on a surface uh, on a, a level below the surface and um like you said uh josh it's very defensive so it's yeah. i think you you called it active defense before as well which i found a good uh, description so one of the basic things to uh that the team, game will teach you fairly early on is uh if you're not uh dealing damage you need to be moving constantly and rolling around and uh, and dodging um so that's another thing. Uh, enemies often attack in groups, of course, and they'll try to surround you and attack you in the back while you're dealing with uh, with another enemy. So it's uh, it's another thing. Uh, the other thing is that you need to be situ- situationally aware. So you yeah. constantly need to, need to be using that uh, reverse wind uh, technique or the roll to reposition yourself and make sure you're you're not getting surrounded. Um, and maybe I'm a little bit all over the place. I'm just going off of uh, you know what uh, all the other thoughts that filled up my head during these last couple of days of, uh, of playing the game. Um, but I think another pivotal point for me was uh, where the first uh, two chapters teach you that blocking almost renders you invincible. Um, the the blimp level introduces the the special forces, which will note that you're uh, blocking a certain string of moves, and then attempt to to grab you and sl- uh, slash your throat. Uh, right. So it's got this kind of reactive things, and you can never use the same safe tactics throughout the game. You always need to be adapting and rethinking your strategies. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually. Uh, what I the learning process I made through uh, um, I did uh, become more aggressive in my playstyle, and that's uh, you, you start start to learn when it's safe to attack certain enemies, and you start to get to know them intimately. So you know you know when you can uh, hit them, and when you can even take the mm-hmm. initiative initiative in attacking them first. Uh, for example, a lot of enemies are very uh, vulnerable to the um, flying swallow. Uh, uh, attack, for example, where you just jump in and home in on them and cut their head off if they're uh, if they, if they can be insta killed, and it allows you to get the upper hand early on in a confrontation. Yeah, uh, uh, the whole line about instinctively learning the mechanics, as as you said, um, not by looking at a combo list. Like it was about, I think like five chapters in, where I realized I never looked at a. I don't even know. Is there a combo list? I'm sure that. Must yeah, there is somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. even know. Like, I just, I just realized, like, I was pulling this stuff off naturally. Yeah, and it was, it must have been something about the way the enemies were attacking me. Like, I, of course, you know, died. I don't even know how many times I've died in this game. <laughs> but um, but uh, but it never felt. Well, I shouldn't say it never felt. It rarely felt 
um, unfair. Like I was just, I realized like, okay, I did not block enough in that encounter whatsoever. Yeah. Or I was, I did kind of stay still. And it's, and it was definitely a learning curve for me because I am used to games like uh, God of War where you can just kind of stand still and just mash the square button. Yeah. And you'll get through most of the time. Um, and, and the whole, uh, you were saying, Mikhail, about how well, enemies will surround you. And in most other games, it's like a, a design trick that they'll, if, if an enemy is not visible in front of you, at least today in today's design, yeah. if an enemy is not visible in front of you, it won't attack you. Yeah. Like most people will consider that unfair. Um, yeah. Because there's nothing you could have done. But in, in this game, I think you, you have the tools to move around quickly enough to get all the enemies in view. Yeah. Um, so so you, you, you always have the tools available to, to be able to attack yeah. efficiently. And it's, it's not even that. It's even off-screen enemies uh, attacking you with shuriken seems incredibly cheap uh, at first. But it's, yeah. it never becomes an issue once you adapt to the playstyle because you are moving and blocking and rolling. So right, yeah. and it, w- once you start getting into that rhythm, they'll never hit you anyway, even though you can't see mm-hmm. where they're attacking from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think w- one thing that I really loved uh, about the combat in the in the game is in in um, in other titles in the genre you kind of pick a, a pick a weapon that's your favorite and kind of stick with mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you know or a couple of weapons that are your favorite and then yeah. stick with that and then you have you know a few go to combos are useful in every scenario sure um, with this like I was picking weapons based on the enemies that were on screen. Yeah. So, uh, far, you know, ninjas and really quick enemies, I'd get the lunar out because that's really great for yeah. crowd control. It has to see yeah, um, the crowd control against, capabilities, yeah. If I'm against, you know, bigger, um, you know, slower enemies, I'm using the dragon sword or the flail yep. just mm-hmm. because the amount of damage those things can output is really quite massive. And also, you know, they're quick, they're fast. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. I can get in and out and, and you know, dodge the, you know, the grapple attack that those... Uh, dinosaur dragons will do yeah sorry i don't know the <laughs> yeah. official name for those creatures and if the um, ghost fish you'll use the nunchucks yeah because yeah, there's ghost yeah. fish <laughs> i just i i the thing the problem with the ghost fish is that i i figured out how to deal with them too late yeah, um, yeah. so I, I was using the the, the flail um mm. straight away but i didn't realize that bashing a uh the jump button um shook them off yeah um i was just being attacked by yeah, them. yeah. so uh, <laughs> the that whole area was me desperately trying to string flail combos <laughs> together while kind of dodging and jumping forward mm. trying to avoid getting caught by these fish because at the time i didn't know that i could shake them off so it was just getting <laughs> stuck in this animation of these all these fish <laughs> attacking me yeah. and and to be honest even once you've you've figured that out it's they're still not very fun enemies no, like, they're, annoying, they're easier honestly. to handle yeah. they're just kind of an annoying they're, they're exactly, good, yeah. they're good um, farming source for essence that's true that, yeah. that is yeah. true but they're just not very fun but compared to kind of like the um the fiends and the uh, the ninja enemies and 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 also even the soldiers later on like the the amount of you know 
attacks those guys have yeah. like it's like nothing else i've played yeah. like mm-hmm. the the amount you have to account for and yeah. and i ended up really i i really do love the combat in this game there are there, there are things there are other aspects of this game that i'm not fond of mm-hmm. but i i feel like the the one-on-one not the one-on-one the <laughs> regular one on combat the one-on-three <laughs> the regular combat in this game is kind of an yeah. uh, a, a win um all yeah. round like every every encounter a uh, combat encounter in this game it was exhilarating it's tough it's really hard yeah. yeah but um i never i never felt really that uh unfairly treated when it came to the combat um <laughs> i never felt unfairly right. treated can we uh, stay um, on the combat for just a little bit longer because yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically the meat of the game anyway. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the main... yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you guys get on with the Dabularo swords, the, the huge uh, yeah. uh, two-hander? Yeah. That's what I ever used whenever I was fighting those. Again, I, we don't know the names. The dinosaurs, the dinosaurs, yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 Everything that you just needed to hack down very quickly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's... Uh, I, w- I wanted to uh, bring up that weapon as well because uh, K-Sub-Zero in his post mentioned, of course, Dark Souls. And uh, mm. I knew that at least someone was going to bring up Dark Souls during this uh, this episode, <laughs> so I, I want to hi- highlight uh, kind of, kind of uh, highlight the difference between uh, what makes Dark Souls challenging and what makes uh, Ninja Gaiden and its combat challenging. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, in Dark Souls, a lot of the challenge is impo- uh, imposed on you by uh, just the slow animations that need to run their complete course. Um, mm-hmm. Ninja Gaiden is similar actually there are no animation cancels in the in the combat so you need yeah. you can you can cancel out of uh, out of attack animations the di- main difference is is except for that sword and even that is probably faster than anything you're handling in uh, in Dark Souls is uh, that you're just incredibly swift um, if you would take uh, Ryu Hayabusa as is and send him through uh, Dark Souls. He'll just cut up everything uh, without without <laughs> mercy mercy throughout the throughout the whole game, and um, yeah. which is I think maybe the the game's greatest uh, strength. In Ryu Hayabusa, you have an incredible tool of murderous destruction at your disposal, and if you lo- learn to use him uh, effect- efficiently, you just yeah you just cut through everything with surgical precision um mm-hmm. and it's it's really quite a rush unlike anything else uh in in any <laughs> other game um yeah. so much yeah a lot of there there one thing that's also uh missing from this game that's in a lot of other 3d beat-em-ups character action games whatever you want to call them are uh quick time events there are absolutely zero quick time events in this game so everything yeah. has to be done manually basically uh in the game I was literally expecting them sometimes like I like I would put my um I would take my hands off the Vita for a minute during like because there's two different kind of cutscenes there's a pre-rendered and the regular cutscenes and I was yeah. like there's there's going to be a, there's going to be a QTE at some point I was just programmed at this point like I played all yeah. these God of Wars and everything like I was, it's coming at some point but no I was, it was nice yeah to uh to not have that actually pop up yeah yeah exactly and in terms like the the boss fights especially like um um I w- to be honest, the the Dark Souls comparison um, 
I, I understand it from a, a difficulty uh, yeah. level standpoint, mm-hmm. but really, like the, the way the way these games, you know, you approach both of those games is entirely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Souls is much. You have so much time to just take things in and think through a scenario mm-hmm. in Dark Souls in a way that you simply like Ninja Gaiden is almost entirely about muscle memory and mm. and that's where like the the boss battles kind of differ as well where a lot of like you know alma and Do- you know doku especially like a lot of it is just kind of almost instinctively reacting to that animation yeah. without even thinking about it because mm. the the time spent like thinking about it is them you know killing yeah. you in two hits and yeah. um and while while all of the boss fights um like a lot of them are really really tough um all of the alma um alma kind of uh, occurs uh, three times in this yeah. game mm-hmm. um first in the church uh, and later on as awakened alma and then as a giant giant version of alma um and all three are really really difficult but they're all the giant, I, the giant version of like, alma where was that um, just before you uh, fight the the pile of skulls. No, that's that's one of the same one of the same thing. That's the Vigor Emperor still who just goes into a oh, second okay. form. I, I will concede. I will concede to to uh, <laughs> your superior knowledge on this one, Mikhail. Um, apologies. I, I I should have looked at a more reliable walkthrough. Hmm. Um, but um, anyway, the two the two occurrences <laughs> yeah. of Volma. Uh, are both really fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I I really enjoyed fighting yeah. Doku. I I really liked the the first um, the first encounter with him because it felt like a really uh, fun tactical du- duel between mm. um, equally matched uh, fighters with slightly different styles. Wasn't a huge fan of the ghost version yeah. of uh, yeah. Doku uh, mainly because. Um, the difference in aesthetic, even mm-hmm. though he had a lot of similar attacks, mm-hmm. that difference meant that he was harder to read and harder to read his animations. Now, I admit that that was probably intentional mm-hmm. um, on the part of the designers, but it made it really frustrating that I couldn't predict his attacks in the yeah. same way that I could with uh, with his earlier iteration. But largely, I think the boss fights are really great in this yeah. game. Yeah. I had the same similar thing with Alma. Um at that point in the game where I first fader, uh, faced her, I had no, uh, even though I heard people uh, speak about it before, I had no idea I was about to face her. And I saved at a particularly unfortunate point where I had only two small health elixirs. And <laughs> I uh, then the cutscene happened where she came through the, the monastery windows to the glass pane windows. And mm. I was I was thinking I'm I'm screwed as because I'm not particularly good at uh, safe slot management, so I usually always just overrides mm. my one and only save. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought like, oh, I screwed myself over. I might have to start this whole thing all over again because two small health elixirs are nothing in that fight. She can take three times as much off you with, with one single attack. Mm. Um, and I was going online to to look for tactics. Uh, Darren Foreman, uh, Kane and Rince alumni Darren Foreman, helped me out on Twitter with some uh, advice as well. And I read comments of people saying they took like three or four months to beat her. And people saying that they indeed had to start over the safe, uh, safe game from uh, just just to be able to, to get past that uh, fight in, a, in be- under better conditions. Um, 
But at that point, the game really became real to me because I wanted to persist. And I really couldn't cheese my way through with abusing health potions or abusing ninja uh, ninpo because I only had uh, two stocks and no devil elixirs. So I, <laughs> I started really enjoying that fight for the 14 attempts it took me to, to beat her. Just to, uh, I, I started seeing it as a, as a learning uh, experience and not a source of frustration where I started to... Mm recognize her her patterns uh when it was i started just by failing i i uh discovered when it was safe to attack her and when not when it was not safe to attack her and in, in mm. the end it felt really great to be able to beat her under those uh uh unfortunate conditions it, uh, it made me feel like hey you know, I'm actually quite a competent player of video games. Uh, <laughs> I felt pretty good about myself when I did it. And I think that also keys into uh, a particular aspect of the combat uh, that uh, Joss ha hasn't mentioned uh, in this assessment, which is you need to be paying attention to your enemies in this game and exactly what they're doing. And they're, they mm. don't overly telegraph their, move, uh, their moves like in Bayonetta. There are always, yeah. usually no spe special sound cues, but after a while, when you start paying attention, you can react accordingly. Um, so while we're on the combat, I think it's worth bringing up the, uh, the difficulty settings and mm -hmm. the differences between yeah. them and kind of which, which difficulty setting we ended up uh, playing on. Um, now, I, I played through on the regular difficulty, um, which it should be said is still like this is more difficult than most games. Um, I, yeah. I, I, this is a struggle um, to get through. Um, a, a pleasant one, but it is a struggle. Mm. Um, but the the other difficulty settings that you have access to, uh, and this will change depending on which version of the game you play, but there is Ninja Dog mode, which I believe was introduced uh, in Ninja Gaiden yeah. Black um, uh, as kind of like a concession to players that were saying, oh, I can't complete the original Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Uh, Ninja Dog mode was introduced as like, oh, okay, fine, have this mode. And then that mode just continually condescends yeah. the player and, and, all the way through. Yeah, and it's not it's not an instantly accessible uh, difficulty mode from the menu either in black. It's You have to die three times in the first uh, chapter to actually get the option to use it. So when you start start yeah. the first playthrough of Ninja Gaiden Black, at least, all you have is a normal difficulty mode. Um, so the, the major differences uh, with, between uh, Ninja Dog and Normal is there's the usual kind of um, scaling back of aggression of the enemies, uh, scaling back of damage output, and, incre and it increases the amount of damage output you have. Uh, also, you have your ninja friend Ayane, uh, following you around um, she uh, basically she has these throwing darts that have little packages of food um, that you can uh, pick up and uh, all the way through the game and uh, she also gives you kind of uh, uh, hints and and uh, advice on how to deal with enemies throughout the game um, and also if you die too many times at a certain point, she will start giving you items as well, like health items and resurrection scrolls. Um, she also kind of um, periodically uh, gives uh, gives you these special bands that you can wrap around your arm Um 
uh, so they have different effects like increasing defense and uh, increasing your uh, your damage output um, all of which is not available in the uh, in the regular difficulty upwards um, there are items that you, you I'm not sure about that because uh, if you collect scarabs and give them to uh, the smith uh, Muramasa, he will give you those types of items like the armlet of the sun, the armlet of the moon, and uh, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, um, you, you can you can get the armlets, but I'm I'm specifically referring to those like ribbons that she oh, gives you. Oh right, okay, um, yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, she she doesn't. Yeah, you know, yeah. You can't access those on normal difficulty. You can get um, accessories uh, that you can buy from the the merchant but not 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 the the specific easy mm. mode accessories that right you okay gotcha um yeah uh then we go on to hard very hard and master ninja and this is where the differences kind of get uh, uh exponential yeah. so they start kind of um adding more enemies to certain encounters like there will be boss fights that have uh enemy regular enemies uh alongside them yeah. um They'll also there's the doppelgangers that are introduced as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, if you thought normal was difficult, um, yeah, uh, hard, very hard, and Master Ninja are incredible. I believe Mikil, you you've toyed uh, at least toyed with this. I want to play more of hard mode actually, but I, I got at least a little bit into it. Um, and yeah, completely new enemies start appearing. Um, certain hard enemies appear very early in the game for example the first chapter already has the spider clan ninjas with the explosive shuriken uh, all up in your face and they're extra aggressive as well uh, i mean i died quite a lot on just the first chapter only and defeating uh murai the first boss with two white ninjas who and if if one of them fall or if, if both of them fall uh two new of them will take uh two new will take his uh, their place so it's like a con- constant it's it's pretty it's no joke let me let, let me surmise it like that <laughs> but uh and it makes you realize just how easygoing normal difficulty was uh, so something about the uh the game's difficulty overall I I wouldn't call it a um a difficult game in the sense that the uh odds are stacked very highly against you because you have all the tools to deal with uh, with with everything that uh, that comes your way. It's just demanding in a sense that most other post 2000 games are not uh in a sense that you need to be constantly paying attention to to what's going on and uh yeah. So and and yeah. but hard mode I would say from what I've played so, so far, it is proper hard. <laughs> as much as I enjoyed the combat on uh, normal difficulty, having you know read through the differences, um, I, I I just I I don't see myself going through the harder difficulties just because on normal it was kind of striking this you know really good balance mm. between being challenging but being really well designed. Yeah, um, like you say. Um, Mikhail, you said uh, you don't really consider it difficult. I do. I just I consider it to be really well designed right, difficult, yeah. and that's when this level of challenge is kind of acceptable. When you can see how the mechanisms all kind of 
locked together and why this encounter is the way it is. And when you start introducing smaller enemies into boss fights, I feel like that argument dissipates. Mm. Um, That stops being a really well-designed boss fight and starts being a well-designed boss fight with these irritating gnats (laughs) uh, coming in and, and, and ruining it. Um, I'm I'm saying this having not actually uh, experienced it firsthand. Maybe if I, um, you know, gave it a chance, I might enjoy it. But yeah. um, it doesn't sound like my cup of tea. I enjoyed it uh, from what I've played so far because it forces you to think more tactical about every encounter. Uh, so. You know, you you start to plan out your... uh, You basically start devising attack plans of which enemy to prioritize and how to go about quickly getting rid of them and using an opening to strike. Um, If you're into that sort of thing, it's heaven, it's bliss. So some other um, combat uh, verbs that you have access to um, besides the melee weapons um, that we've talked about quite a lot is the uh, the ranged weapons yep. and the Nippo uh, magic abilities. Um, so do, do you have any favorites and any general opinions on, on these two verbs? I have an extremely least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or yeah. extremely disliked, I guess I should say, uh, is the the bow. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Or at least having to use it in first person. Like, I, I man, it's gotten so much better since two thousand four. <laughs> like games that use bows and arrows. Like, whenever I would uh, just pull it out and just like hit circle, just 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 shoot an arrow, Rio. Just shoot it anywhere you can. Uh, <laughs> like it would be the most ex- exciting thing when it actually hit something. Yeah. Um, so like, especially when you, later on you get the exploding arrows and stuff. Um, but man, there's that one chapter where, uh, you have to take down a tower using those yeah. bows and arrows. That was pretty annoying. And, yeah. And yeah, that was, man. And, and, and like, there's like, what, like five guys at the tower shooting RPGs at you the whole time. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. The, the, and, and, and just, it's just so really unfortunate, it, but I, I could not stand using that bow. The thing with the bow and arrows is that it auto targets if you just quickly tap it. And when you hold it okay, and press yeah. forward on the yeah. controller, at least in the black version, it might be different in Sigma or Sigma Plus, uh, then yeah. you go into first person mode and you manually target, uh, which is sometimes yeah. very and necessary yeah. because your auto target doesn't do always do the job in all cases. Sure. Yeah. And in and the Vita, yeah. it's even worse because, uh, you know, this was, I think it might have even been a launch game for Vita. So it had uh, forced um, uh, uh, gyro. Right. So like you'd go into first person, and you can still aim it with the the um, analog stick, but if you just slightly tilt the Vita, it's gonna go like all crazy and everything. Yeah. So needless to say, this Vita is probably the worst version of the game. Yeah. <laughs> sure. all, all in all, about the, uh, the ranged weapons in the game is um, sometimes you in certain situations you, you forgot you actually have them, and some of them are actually surprisingly uh, effective against certain bosses. So you just if you're just experimenting with them sometimes, and you uh, uh, you'll suddenly notice that a certain boss is very susceptible to uh, those those uh, hard shell cased arrows, for example, and. Uh, uh, well, well, explosive arrows do don't do much to him, for example, and um, then the Ninpo magic. I think my favorites were uh, the Art of Inferno in many cases, and the Inazuma yeah. electric attack, and that was all very situational as well. Um, 
And another thing about the melee combat that we should maybe uh, not go unmentioned are the ultimate techniques, the charge-up move. Because that's a, almost a different skill by itself to use those efficiently. Because you, uh, you um, can charge up instantly if there's essence floating around, uh, which actually forfeits your essence. So you won't get your essence to spend in the shop. You won't, the blue essence will actually not add to your health. But if you're in a certain situation where that's not really an issue... You can charge up instantly and unleash these devastating uh, ultimate attacks on uh, the UTs on uh, on enemies, uh, which will cause them to draw bigger essence, which you again you can use to to charge up. So you can chain uh, ultimate attacks and just completely waste the room of enemies uh, and ending up getting uh, big bucks for it in the end. Man, I, I wish I had mastered that because um, I, I I could pull it off accidentally, mm. um, but I never. I never consistently uh, managed to chain that yeah. those kind of attacks together. Uh, unfortunately, I imagine if um, I had more time with the game and wasn't under a strict deadline, I'd actually, uh, you know, spend the time to really get to know that system. But um, unfortunately, I didn't use it very much. Charge up attacks are so incredibly powerful. For example, the True Dragon Swords uh, level three charged UT is just lays waste to, uh, to everything. Before we move away from combat, I think another thing that I really, really liked um, about uh, Ninja Gaiden's uh, approach to to melee combat is the use of the environment as a tool mm. to uh, create combo yeah. opportunities. So. Um, for example, if you see a group of enemies in front of you, uh, in front of you, um, your natural instinct from stuff like Bayonetta is to just go charging in there. But with Ninja Gaiden, it's actually more advantageous to wall wall run across, you, you know, do a wall run and then jump off and then do the you know the swallow yeah. attack straight into them, instantly killing yeah. them. Um, and and all of that stuff was really good. Um, just kind of being aware of the environment as well as just the enemies and and prioritizing targets. So we've covered the combat, um, but that's not the entirety of the game. Um, there are other aspects in between um, the traversal and exploration. Um, there are there are several points in the game where um, Ninja Gaiden drops combat for a short while and has you uh, complete these platforming um, obstacle courses or complete puzzles or there will be a chapter that's entirely based uh, based around the worst mechanic in the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> feel free to disagree with me. Yeah. But chapter 11 is a war crime. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, I'll start us off by saying that I really don't like um, the, this this aspect of the game. I love the combat. I, I think the combat is exceptional. I think almost everything else that Ninja Gaiden tries its hat at, um, it, it kind of fails at. Mm -hmm. um, I The platforming, every time the platforming is a major challenge in this game, it is the most frustrating and aggravating point in the game. Um, yeah. And... I, I understand the want to vary the experience. I completely understand that. But there, there, there's just this feeling throughout Ninja Gaiden that 
the developers don't know what the game's strength is. And the, the game's strength is the combat. The combat is just phenomenal. And then you, it forces you to do these a string of wall runs that just don't fit like the wall running just does not feel precise enough for the 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 level of platforming on display it's like it, it, you you want mario to just come in and go <laughs> ryu stand aside like yeah. let me take this for the team like i i just uh, the precision of the control and and also this is where like normally i i don't actually find the camera that much of an issue in the combat scenarios but when when it's when it comes to the platforming the camera becomes a nightmare even in, black, in like ninja gaiden black introduced kind of the ability to toggle um you know more manual control over mm-hmm. the camera and even then the camera is still a nightmare mm-hmm. yeah I don't. How do you guys feel? About uh, for, this? for me, it's it's the the as you you said it right before that. You said something about precision. Um, for them to have such excellent precision on the combat, it seems kind of crazy to me how there's there's such little per, uh, precision for just general movement. Like yeah. he does that thing that a lot of it's, it's it's a sin that many games commit, where you know you'll you'll be running and you take your finger off the controller. And he'll go a couple more steps, yeah. Or, or you know, it's it's that kind of thing where, like, if you're going to have platforming sections, that stuff needs to be tight. And yeah, uh, he just he just isn't. And you would think, like, for a ninja, like this guy would know how to uh, be spry and, and <laughs> land on his feet. And when he's fighting, he certainly is. But yeah, anytime you have to run around and and uh, man, like the last chapter, um, I had to play today. Uh, it, it has a um. Uh, a platforming section where if you if you miss one jump you land in lava and naturally you die um but it then starts you back at the very beginning of the level where there's also an unskippable cutscene, and then you have to do all this jumping again there's, there's still i had to do it like 10 times in a row and it gave me that option like do you want to be uh <laughs> you want to do baby mode or whatever i can't remember what it's called i was like no 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 i'll do it again i'll do it again i'll keep doing it <laughs> And it's just yeah, it's just it's unfortunate how how unprecise it is, but you know, such it is. Like you guys, I the the platforming bits are the absolute least favorite parts of the game uh, for me. Uh, and some of the part uh, there are maybe two or three platforming sections in, in the games in the in the game that uh, really made me rage and uh, and curse curse out. Which is I don't really get mad at games very often, but I was pretty furious of having to. Walk back, do do uh, traverse back and w- walk whole uh, whole parts again and get up to a certain point again and then do it again. Um, I th- I think when you look at um, proper three D platformers like Mario sixty four and Banjo Kazooie, um, the thing they they uh, they did uh, to compensate for the three D perspective is uh, that they give you a lot of leeway in uh, in the jumping. So that's why also why. Uh, Mario 64 and Banjo Kazooie have almost nothing to do with uh, Pixel Perfect 2D platformers that came before it. The the worst bits for me were the parts where you had to jump on certain tiny tiny stick uh, platforming uh, platforms sticking out, and you indeed, like you said, Sean, you 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 have a little bit of momentum when you land and you fall off. I mean, all they had to do was make those 
those little platforms a little bit bigger you know to allow right, yeah. uh, allow <laughs> to give that sort of leeway where you where where you won't fall off uh, just because you nudge the stick uh, in uh, in a certain direction um, but there's different sides to me uh, as far as the platforming go because I do think the traversal is pretty cool I like the wall run and uh, I like I like the wall running platform bit, uh, bits quite a bit more than you did, Josh. Uh, uh, just hitting walls at certain angles to get per- certain parts, and then uh, you know swinging from branches to to traverse certain areas. And if you do it all in a pretty smooth one moment uh, motion, and then do a, a bird flip up uh, up a very high wall afterwards, it's uh, it feels pretty badass. It feels pretty cool by itself. Uh, but there are some really, really sore and weak spots, uh, especially where it concerns the uh, the tiny platforms that you have to hop on from one bit to another for me yeah. along the game. I think for me, like one of the, the worst ones was um, towards the end of the... Uh, maybe not towards the end, but definitely the last third of the game. Um, there's a platforming section where you uh, slam on this... Uh, this uh, pressure point on the floor with your sword Mm. and then these flames die down and then you have this uh, time sequence Mm -hmm. where you have to jump from mini platform to mini platform and then end it with like two loop-de-loops on these poles and then wall run to the other uh, to the other side the thing is like get one thing wrong just one thing slightly wrong (laughs) and you're not going to make it and uh, too often like one one thing I don't like about the the pole kind of flips is that if you time it slightly wrong, Ryu will flip backwards. Yeah, there is no <laughs> point in the entirety of Ninja Gaiden where you it is necessary <laughs> to flip backwards. So part yeah. of me is like screaming at the designers, why didn't you just make him flip forwards huh. whenever mm-hmm. I press A, no matter where he is in his arc? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I am never going to flip backwards at any point in this game. Yeah. And that like that's the, the the example that kind of stands out to me, but there, there are several others. Yeah. I, I kind of like it when it's just simple, when it's like I see these two walls ne- like really close to each other and I know I'm going to do that like weird, you know, jumpy thing where he jumps from wall to wall to wall until he gets to the top. Yeah. And that's fun. Like it's not difficult to do, yeah. but it's kind of um, aesthetically pleasing. It seems something that a ninja would do. Yeah. But when it gets you to <laughs> chain... The wall runs together with and and introducing kind of um, limited time windows. It just becomes a complete frustration for me. Yeah, and that's not even uh, we haven't even touched on the swimming properly. <laughs> the swimming in Ninja Gaiden uh, drove me to frust- oh, it's so bad. And Chapter Eleven, the entirety of Chapter Eleven, apart from the boss fight at the end, is dedicated to swimming. Yeah. And the once magnificent combat is reduced to me, kind of flailing <laughs> at these fish underwater, <laughs> and. <laughs> of course, like later on, it does introduce kind of mechanisms to deal with that. Like there's an oxygen tank, so you don't yeah. die and a spear gun. from drowning, and then and then there's a spear gun, which means you can take out the fish from a distance. But 
up until then, it's just it. Oh, it's just awful. Like the yes. combat is terrible, and that's not that's not even touching on the fact that I generally have a really really hard <laughs> time playing any underwater levels. I, know, I was wondering about this with yeah. deadly shark fish. <laughs> yeah. and yes, these shark fish type things were absolutely triggering that you know <laughs> fear in me, and so I'm I'm dealing with what is mechanically just a complete mess to me <clears throat> while also fighting my urge to just run away from the game <laughs> for the entirety of this M- must be torture yeah. for you yeah yeah it was. <laughs> i think it was. again uh it would be nice if uh tim ninja would have played uh, mario 64 because that game just instantly nails uh Swimming underwater in a in a three D environment, uh, just the degree mm. of uh, precision and uh, and overall motion you have. Because the thing that really screws up the swimming, it's fine if you swim in a direct line actually, but as soon as you have to yeah. move move up or down, it's awful because he, <laughs> it's a nightmare. You, you yeah. can't gradually turn uh, Hayabusa up or down. He'll just instantly swim straight up vertically or straight down, <laughs> right. and that's that's just yeah. like it's it's. Uh, Messes up the sense of uh, fluidity you otherwise yeah. have uh, over the character. Yeah. yeah, it's it's honestly baffling that it's uh, that they didn't cut this out. Like I don't I don't yeah. I don't understand how anyone would find one redeeming moment of this chapter. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. whole thing is terrible. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I I would make a case for the the boss fight being the the redeeming thing about it because that's the boss fight with Doki yeah. at the end. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, oh sure, which yeah. is a favorite mm-hmm. of mine. But like just another small thing and this isn't just this chapter this is whenever swimming turns up in this game <laughs> yeah. why would you tie the dive button to the same button that the jump button's attached to mm. so uh, w- i'll give you an example of what i'm talking about i swim to a ledge uh <clears throat> that i want to get onto and i press a because every other game has taught me that if I press the jump button near a ledge, whether I'm in water or not, that will mean that I will go up mm. onto that platform. <laughs> no, nope, you will mm. dive every, down. And, yeah, and I, every single time I dived under the, the ledge, and it's just like, yeah. And part yeah. of that is me need, you know, I accept some fault there. I need to be trained out of that muscle memory. Yeah. But at the same time, like jump means up. Yeah. Like, right, yeah. why would you, why would you attach yeah, the yeah. dive down button to the same yeah. button that normally means going up? Yeah, all yeah you that need, became really the standard to, for a reason. Yeah, yeah, all you really need to do is, of course, just uh, when you're surfaced, uh, just just uh, push towards the ledge, and he'll automatically hop on there. But it's not entirely intuitive yeah. that uh, yeah. that you shouldn't jump that, uh, hit that A button. So. Um, there, there are other secrets in the game. So there are the scarabs that you can collect throughout the game. Yeah. Um, various. Uh, so they're the uh, health items, and um, so there are these blue gems that you can collect that increase your overall health. Um, it's worth mentioning that those are a lot more common on uh, Ninja Dog uh, difficulty. So um, you, you'd have a considerably uh, larger health bar on uh, Ninja Dog difficulty than on normal difficulty. Mm. Um, generally, um, I, I actually like the way the game kind of hides these secrets and these items and collectibles. Yeah, um, I, I, I do think, despite... Uh, you know what you know the tirade i launched into about the 
uh, traversal and platforming. I think the actual exploration of the environment is quite fun. Yeah. The way they hide things and the way that um, um, the levels are not entirely linear. They're, they're, it does encourage you to go back to areas you've been before yeah. to kind of collect um, other other things you might have missed when you didn't have the right tools. Yeah, um, All of that stuff is pretty well handled, yeah. <laughs> I, I I really enjoy those moments, sort of as as quiet time in between uh, intense confrontations. Um, there, the funny thing is about the puzzles. It's usually a key hunt kind of kind of thing, right? You need like to put a statue on a certain pedestal or something, and the guides the the game ver- guides you very much in the direction of that statue already. So it's not like you have a lot of exploration or exploration or puzzling to do. It's uh, uh it's it's almost ceremonial in uh in nature um but it it makes for uh a little yeah a little bit of quiet time and a little bit of exploration which uh which is a welcome break and there are two sections in the game that actually offer a little bit more of exploration and cool laid out levels um that reminded me a little bit of uh, the legend of zelda and their dungeon design so there's the there's the aqueducts which uh yeah, have a lot of connected areas that lead back on themselves, and you need to, uh, uh, you know, find a way to open those water basins to let the, the water f- uh, flow out in the uh, cups of the statue. And there's the uh, fire and ice cavern where you need to uh, make the uh, yeah, uh, activate this uh, this old furnace to um, to uh, start pouring hot magma uh into right, the, the, yeah. the ice area to melt gears. Me- yeah yeah to make the gears and to uh to to melt the uh the uh, elst- uh ice stalactites and stalagmites uh, in your way mm-hmm. and it, it reminded me a little bit of uh of zelda in that aspect but not nearly yeah. not nearly the type of uh complexity of uh, of a zelda dungeon but uh, nicely sure. reminiscent in a certain way mm. the only uh issue i have with um finding secrets or, or just trying to explore is that it's something we didn't mention in the combat area, but um, this game also has respawning enemies. So if you're going down one route and you're like, okay, I'm going to go check out this area for, you know, try and find some kind of scarab or, or a weapon mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and you'll come back back around. You have to fight these guys again and again and again and again. And again. <laughs> yeah. Like the combat's really fun, but sometimes I would get a little annoyed with like, Oh, come on. I literally just fought you like, 15 seconds ago and I could fight you all again. So maybe this is different. That, that part bummed me up. Maybe this is different in Sigma because there are actually many differences between uh, Sigma and uh, and Black and the original Xbox game. Um, mm. But uh, there are very little instances in uh, Black where um, enemies keep respawning in the same area. The ghost fish always respawn. Uh, in the mm. tower, the core at the end, the enemies in the room would always respawn. Uh, but other than that, there are parts in the game where you think, hey, all these enemies respond here, but it's actually a hidden 60 fiends challenge where you, de- oh, you need yeah. to keep no, on fighting. Too, yeah. yeah, you need to keep <laughs> on fighting and clear yeah. a whole room of 60 uh, fiends without yeah. dying, and you get a, a nice special item for it. And then afterwards, the enemy uh, or the area will remain empty. They'll, they'll, they won't return in there. Hmm. Maybe that is a difference because, yeah, there's, there are definitely plenty of areas where it was just a hallway where there would be three enemies and I come back, and sure enough. 
Yeah. There they are. So I don't know. It could be that it's a 60 Fiends challenge, sure. or maybe it's different in Sigma. And mm, another difference uh, is that you do get, for collecting all the scarabs, in black you get uh, the Ninja Gaiden arcade game. And in the vanilla <laughs> version, you, really? you get Ninja Gaiden 1, 2, and 3 for the NES. Uh, you unlock them. And that was oh, wow. that was removed from the, the Sigma versions, for the, from the PlayStation oh, version. Really? Yeah. Right, so um, let's uh, briefly touch on the DLC and mission mode that were available in Black and Sigma. Yeah. Um, Mikhail, um, w- why didn't you kind of uh, give us the, the background on this stuff? Um, in the original Ninja Gaiden, uh, Team Ninja actually added free DLC uh, to, uh, to the game via the... Uh, yeah, the first incarnation of the Xbox Live system. Uh, they, there, there were two packs uh, called Hurricane Pack 1 and Hurricane Pack 2. And Hurricane Pack 1 added a whole bunch of stuff to the story mode. Uh, they tweaked AI, enemy uh, encounters, uh, added new uh, new enemies on the higher difficulties. So this is where the more pronounced difficult, uh, differences between the... Uh, um between the various difficulty levels uh came from um and they also which is interesting as far as the combat uh goes in the hurricane pack one they added a intercept skill which was a parry um which uh basically uh it's works a bit like did you guys ever play mark of the wolves uh uh garo the the fighting game it works as a ju- as a just defense, so you basically have a very small window of opportunity where you can uh, block an attack. So if you block almost exactly at the same time uh, as the enemy strikes, you'll uh, do an instant counter uh, counter attack. Uh, but uh, later on, uh, for the actual Ninja Gaiden Black, which incorporated a lot of the Hurricane Pack contact. Uh, content they took that out again since uh, the uh, director deemed it uh, to be too uh, easily easy to abuse and uh, overpowered um, hurricane pack 2 um, added um, uh, I think mainly uh, the uh, mission uh, the missions that would uh, later or more missions that would later end up in uh, Ninja Gaiden's Black Mission mode as well, which you unlock after clearing a game on normal difficulty and perhaps even on Ninja Dog difficulty. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but yeah, early, uh, early, relatively early example of a console DLC, free DLC mm. to uh, enrich a game uh, just because the developers were passionate enough that they felt the need to, to add it to yeah. make it a better game. That's awesome. Yeah, that's free, D- free DLC. That's... Uh... Another thing that's gone since 2004. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, there's also this uh, this mission mode that's available. Um, and I know that you've dived into this quite a lot, McKee. Yeah, not not a lot. It's the same as with the hard difficulty, but I definitely feel compelled to play more of it uh, in the near future because uh, it the, the, the funny thing is about uh, the missions that they're... I could clear the uh, the first mission with uh, with no problems. It was uh, you f- you fight a bunch of uh, of white, uh, black, brown ninjas and some magicians uh, that uh, appear with each, uh, with each other. So I was used to deal dealing with those kind of enemies. And for each mission, you get a certain set of weapons in a certain state, uh, so certain projectile weapons, and you have to make do with what you have. You get no health items, but you can, of course, uh, gather blue essence uh, and uh, other essence during the fight to uh, to help you out. But you, you have to do it on one health bar every mission, and immediately the second mission is where it gets super tricky because they mix... 
uh, enemies that would normally never appear side by side in the uh, in the story mode, which are the uh, two variations of the dinosaur enemies. Uh, 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 a type of uh, dinosaur enemy that doesn't even appear on normal mode and uh, the red dinosaurs the, the the weaker versions and they mix them with flame ninjas and uh which also didn't appear before and um uh black spider clan ninjas with their explosive shuriken so it's a oh, really tricky <laughs> tricky mix because you have you ha- you have the the giant dabilaro uh, sword and you have the lunar yeah. lunar staff so normally when I would face those uh, the spider clan ninjas, I would just wail on them with the lunar staff like crazy. Um, mm. And but now these dinosaurs are charging into me from uh, off screen and grilling me, uh, grilling me alive while I'm uh, trying to deal with those pesky pesky ninjas. And I'm, yeah, it it really forces you again, like the harder difficulty uh, uh, level does to really think uh, out plan of attacks because if you go in there unprepared you'll get uh, you'll get uh, roasted basically so <laughs> even now i'm just thinking about if uh, about like how can i deal with uh, with this type of challenge and <laughs> just trying to be tactical about uh, about the, yeah. the fights and there's yeah there are 45 of these types of missions where you uh, encounter very uncommon situations and very uncommon mixes of enemies which re- force you to rethink your uh, the strategies that uh, helps you get by in the in the main game right it's about time that we heard from our community so let's start with the forum posts. Um, if you have any opinions on the upcoming issues of Cane and Rinse, please go over to com slash forum and post your thoughts there. Um, so Alex79UK starts us off by saying, I've only played Ninja Gaiden Sigma on the Vita, which was free on with PlayStation Plus a couple of years ago. I think if I played it years back, there's a chance I could have enjoyed it a lot more, but since it was released, <clears throat> but since it was released, there's been the Souls games, Bloodborne, DMC, and others. I wanted to like it, and I feel like I gave it a fair whack. But ultimately, after wave after wave of identical baddies and not much story to speak of, I just didn't find anything pulling me back in. The combat felt basic compared to those of other games and i found the whole thing just a bit boring i realize i'm in the minority here and if i'd seen it through to the end maybe it would have revealed itself to me a bit more but no not for me golar says it's a good thing the xbox duke controller is as tough as the old nokia phone because i don't think any modern counterpart would withstand the number of high-speed rage throws i subjected it to during ninja gaiden the polystyrene ceiling tiles in my old bedroom back at my parents house still have scars i love the game and i think a few years ahead of the curve it quietly brought about the hard as nails game renaissance that dark souls and demon souls takes credit for i vividly recall spamming that roll jump swipe maneuver frantically during every fight and tears of frustration strumming across the adrenaline fueled veins of my neck There was nothing like the feeling of actually beating one of its many cruel bosses and reaching the solace of a save point. Sadly, I never finished it, and I wonder whether the abuse my teenage self suffered at the hands of this game is one I can revisit without traumatic flashbacks. 
I don't think Rachel's buoyant fan service antics would have the same sway on me now. The polythene-wrapped copy of Sigma 1 and 2 still sit dormant on my shelf waiting for one day to come. Kudos to the team for actually finishing this game in time for the podcast. <laughs> KSub01000 says, One aspect I'd like to touch upon is the game's longevity. When my initial playthrough ended, I felt equal parts happy and exhausted and quickly relegated the game to storage while laughing at the idea of tackling any of the higher difficulty levels. But the hunger still remained, so it didn't take long for me to put the disc back into the drive in order to take a look at this mission mode thingy. And wouldn't you know it, I soon ended up hooked on that special brand of challenge, Weeks went by, slowly but surely, clearing one mission after another. I ended up stuck about two-thirds of the way through, but a pernicious idea had started to take place inside my head. Let's just at least try hard mode and see how far I can get. And so I did. And perseverance paid off once again. I encountered the fantastic doppelganger fiends for the first time and saw the credits roll for the second time while having gained all that extra knowledge of the game's various systems. Years went by and I successfully tried my hand at very hard, as well as beating the incredible Eternal Legend mission. And it was only last year, nine years after my initial purchase, that I somehow managed to beat the game on Master Ninja, the first level truly being the most difficult and unforgiving part of the game. One gruelling, week-long session later, I could even count Eternal Legend on Master Ninja among my noteworthy gaming achievements. I had finally done it, seen everything and beaten every challenge the game had to offer. I'm my own master now. Ninja Gaiden Black is like an old friend now. No matter how much time we spend apart, every reunion reminds me of why I became so attached to it in the first place. It is a timeless classic, a work of polish and genuine quality, the likes of which you don't see very often. Okay, so let's hear from our free word reviews, starting with Mikhail. Mike Susky says, historically bad camera. Thomas Eif says, too bloody hard. Richard Davidson says, not impossible. Persevere. James McCall, really, really difficult. Alex79UK, repetitive, identikit enemies. James Phyllis, jump, attack, repeat. Great club. Rachel's outfit, absurd. <laughs> KSub01000 says, unlabored, flawlessness, UT. Uh, the, un the unlabored flawlessness uh, is... Um, what happens if you keep on upgrading the, the wooden sword uh, okay. by Muramasa? <laughs> so it's incredibly expensive and it gets more expensive yeah, along the upgrades yeah. and it has a very long upgrade path and nothing, mm -hmm. it doesn't improve in any way until you reach that final star uh, and it turns <laughs> into the most powerful weapon in the entire game. I got very oh, wow. close. I got very close to uh, to unlocking it actually, but uh, yeah, I was at, I was at the end, and I just wanted to uh, instead of start starting to farm for essence, I just wanted to beat the final boss. That just leaves us to summarize our opinions on uh, Ninja Gaiden. Let's start with Sean. Yeah, so this is one of those situations where I'm glad uh, we have this podcast to kind of force me to 
to play games like this because it's something that has always been on the back burner for me ever since the release, really. Um, but I don't think I ever would have come back to it if it wasn't for the show. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I played it. Um, you know, I, I was kind of quiet during the difficulty section because maybe I'm a little embarrassed to say that I played it on the easiest mode. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, but even in that mode, like it's still hard. Like I was still dying, and um, uh, it's you know it's it's something that I think is uh, at least for me has been missing ever since um, earlier games is this difficulty, and it's <sighs> maybe at this time in my life I, I could use something easier, <laughs> uh, generally speaking. But uh, but I'm glad to at least have played through it um, this time, and I'm. I, 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 it's possible I'll go back and play the the harder difficulties because I do find this combat um is really engaging and the story is it, it is bland enough for me to ignore <laughs> and um <laughs> uh I, I'm I'm actually curious to check out uh Ninja Gaiden Sigma two or, or regular two, I don't know. And even three. I, I understand that um it gets exponentially worse with each release, but I still want to see uh, what exactly they got wrong? Um, mm. Because if they if they kept the combat around, I can't imagine it being that much worse. But hey, you know maybe they didn't. I don't know. Um, but I'm curious to see uh, how this goes from here. You know, so I like it. It's good. It's fun. Don't play the Vita version though. It's clearly the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> um. So from my perspective, um, I'm really glad also that. Um, uh this this podcast exists because again like sean i i wouldn't have completed this game otherwise however um overall my feelings towards ninja gaiden are that i like it but i don't love it and i i love aspects of it i think the combat is exceptional and if this game was focused entirely on that I think I, you know, this would end up being a favorite of mine. But the moments when it's not doing that, when it's being a 3D platformer or being Chapter Eleven, um, <laughs> are are kind of rough enough and and frustrating enough that it kind of drags down the whole experience for me. And that, and you combine that with like. A, a, a kind of a vacant personality overall. Um, Ryu's just nowhere near as m- memorable as characters like um, Dante or Bayonetta, and and even like the Goofosaurus Rex who stars in God mm-hmm. Hand is slightly more memorable than Ryu. Um, and and if anything, this this game kind of retrospectively um, made me. Uh, appreciate god hand strengths even more because this that game is equally kind of um not it doesn't care about story or or even art direction or anything like that but it's a game that knows its strengths and it knows tonally how to pitch itself and that game just at no point was it um, trying to be something that it wasn't very good at. And there are several points in Ninja Gaiden where I just felt like shouting at the designers, <laughs> this is not a 3D platformer. Stop stop being a 3D platformer. Go back. Go back to being the game about cool uh, defensive combat. Um, 
I do recommend this game. I think it's worth playing. Um, I just think there are certain pillars that are important to me that uh, stop it from being a special game and just um, and and it just settles on being a good game. Mikhail. Yeah, I agree with both of you about uh, just how wonderful it is to uh, be a part of this whole Kenny Rins Rins endeavor and uh, giving you uh, a proper excuse to actually play through some games uh, you should have played through a long time ago already. Uh, Because there was just the amount of games I amassed since Ninja Gaiden Black were just totally getting uh, in in the way after my... uh, RROD uh, to for for yeah it, it, I just didn't see myself returning to it very fast even though I wanted to um, and going back to it uh, my my second attempt to play through the whole game uh, and succeeding um, the one thing I imis- uh, in, uh, immediately noticed about um, Ninja Gaiden Black was just how incredibly smooth and fluid. Uh, the game ran and how incredibly polished it appeared technically in all aspects to me much more so than a lot of console games that are released nowadays uh, I might add so in that thing in that aspect it instantly uh, impressed the hell out of me Um, having played through it uh, all the way um, I already from my uh, first attempt I had a I had a great respect for it uh, and just how much it asks of you and um, that respect has only grown throughout my full play through just getting into the different combat scenario, uh, scenarios and just how much enemies push you uh, towards your, your A game um, and force you to uh, explore all the nooks and crannies, crannies of the combat system. Um, there, you know, there are many other games that have uh, 3D beat 'em ups, or even uh, in other genres that have wonderful combat systems. But they're so lenient towards the player that they never force you to actually explore them to their full potential. Uh, and um, so. You know the exploration of those types in of the combat systems in those types of game might, games might be their own uh, own reward, but uh, why should you if uh, if you can just uh, you know make it through them with spamming spam, spamming simple attacks over and over again? Uh, so um, having said all that, uh, I also uh, raged harder than I would expect at certain uh, certain bits that didn't have anything to do with the combat, uh, and that also put a uh, yeah a couple of blemishes on my overall enjoyment and uh immense respect uh and all i have for the for the game overall um i'd say still uh if i look at the the modern beat-em-up the the 3d character action games i think it still stands shoulder to shoulder shoulder with my other favorite uh, bayonetta Um, and it's interesting how those games seem to as far as combat design philosophies go, seem to fill in each other's uh, the, the areas in which the, the other uh, others lack. Uh, Bayonetta is characterized by um, allowing for a lot of creativity uh, in the combat, a lot of personal expression and, uh, and style. Uh, Ninja Gaiden Black, um, like I said before, uh, and like Case Sub Zero mentions, uh, is pu- pushes you war- uh, more towards efficiency. Uh, but makes you, in its own sense, not look no no less 
cool and uh, gracious. Uh, yeah, in its in, in its own right. Um, and the thing that uh, Ninja Gaiden Black has over Bayonetta for me is that uh, in Bayonetta you you can mash your, your way through the the um, general difficulty with no major major hiccups. Um, and but you have to learn the combat system in, in Bayonetta if you want to go for the platinum uh, platinum medals. Uh, Ninja Gaiden Black is instead of uh, it's less of a scoring game and more of a pure survival game. And I didn't really care that much if I got a master ninja or a lesser ninja great at the end of the chapter. Um, so yeah, it, it's. It's it's a it's a harsh uh, it's a harsh uh, teacher to the to the player, but it's all in all it pushes you towards becoming a better player, and I have nothing but uh, but respect for that. It just remains for me, uh, Josh, to thank Mikhail and Sean and all of our correspondents. Next time in issue two hundred and sixty-seven. Uh, we witness Avalanche Studios' Mad Max and ask if it's mediocre or shiny and chrome. <laughs>